0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other in Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good morning. It's good to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church. And love that you're joining us this morning. As a church family, we have a uh, little uh, family announcement this morning, kind of exciting. Uh, Jonathan and Leanne, y'all are here today. They just got engaged, so let's hear it for them. Woo-hoo. Excited for you guys. Thoughts, uh, that's awesome. Very exciting. Well, um, as uh, Krista mentioned earlier, we as a church family adopted a, a goal uh, for this uh, school year, really running September through August. And our goal this year has been that we would all commit to uh, develop two healthy spiritual habits in order to uh, grow in our relation with God, to connect with God. And the reason why that's a big deal for us is because we as a church family, we understand we want to help each other know God because... God's the best. So, we want to help each other, encourage each other to, to actually know Him, not just know about Him, uh, but to actually know Him experientially, personally, in a life changing way where we abide with God and we enjoy Him. And so, we're saying, okay, let's help each other connect with Him by developing these healthy spiritual habits. The other reason why this is a goal of ours is because we understand that as we connect with God, as we grow in our knowledge of Him and, and uh, see Him change our lives, one of the things that He does is He compels us to move out with him to love others uh, like he's loved us to love each other and to love our city with him and so we said because we're a church that's committed to giving the gospel every man woman and child to see the day that every man woman child hears the gospel for someone who loves them we want to connect with God be moved by his love for us then we go with him to love others and so this has been a big deal for us this trying to encourage us to develop these two healthy spiritual habits someone asked how's that going for you uh, if you're like me, you kind of you know, started and stopped and started and stopped, and hopefully you've, you've really kind of persevered and you're, you're developing these habits. But if you're not, if you haven't there, if you've kind of fallen off or you're just hearing about this for the first time, well, you're in luck because we're uh, in the middle of a series that we're calling Habits. <laughs> we're kicking off 2020 by looking at these different spiritual habits or spiritual practices or rhythms, if you will, that you, uh, so that you may consider developing one of these into a habit in order to connect with God. And so three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, Justin taught on uh, Scripture memory, Bible memory, and, and just talked through the benefit of uh, that spiritual practice and kind of put it out there for you to consider perhaps making that uh, a, a spiritual healthy habit this semester or this year. Uh, then last week, uh, Matt did a great job talking about Sabbath and how, uh, we, how you could consider making that one of your spiritual habits or developing that into a habit. And today, I'm going to close out this short little three-week series by talking about the spiritual practice of fasting. Fasting, which I know... It's like y'all's favorite topic to talk about. I, I know you were really hoping to hear a message on fasting this morning as you were getting ready to come. Uh, and, um, and I also wondered if it was even worth you know, preaching a message on fasting because I am sure that most of y'all practice fasting really regularly, right? And so it's like, do I even need to talk about this? But <laughs> probably not, right? Because I think it's true that um, the spiritual practice of fasting has become a practice that's quite uncommon. And we don't really practice fasting very often. Uh, now, unless you're doing it at, for a diet, right? I mean, of course, intermediate fasting is kind of a diet fad that's kind of caught, caught on, and so people do that in order to, to lose some weight to look good. Um, you can tell that I have uh, not been doing that. Um, but that's not the uh, purpose of spiritual fasting, right? So what is spiritual fasting? Now, I want to, as we get into this, just kind of help us get some clarity on what we're talking about. So what is spiritual fasting? Well, in Scripture, there are two words that are translated in English as fasting, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament is the word som, and it literally means not to eat. That's what that word means. And then the uh, Greek word in the New Testament is the word "nesteo" and it literally means to abstain from food, to abstain from food excuse me, and I think that that's helpful. I wanted to just point that out right from the beginning because when we talk about what biblical fasting is, it's helpful to note that it really does mean to refrain from food in order to pursue God. That's what biblical fast, anytime you hear or see the word fasting in scripture, you can know that that's specifically talking about refraining from food for a period of time in order to pursue God. Now, having said that, certainly you can fast or refrain from other things that would be helpful for your spiritual life and free you up to uh, pursue God. You can fast from, and some things are popular these days, fast from social media, fast from sports, fast from uh, media altogether, TV altogether, and that can absolutely help you uh, pursue God. But having said that, I don't want it to be lost on us that when Scripture talks about fasting, it's specifically talking about uh, fasting from food. So, uh, now, because that's the case, because biblical fasting is fasting from food, uh, or refraining from food to pursue God, that is why I really don't like to fast. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but, like, for a long period of time in my life, I was not excited about fasting because, you know, it's a lot easier to get excited about eating food than it is about not eating food, right? I mean, again, you probably can tell. And so, um, don't laugh too hard at that. The, um, but isn't that true? I mean, food is delicious, and we need it. And so, why in the world would we ever go a period of time without eating it? I mean, why do that? For a long time, that was my mindset. Now, I just couldn't get excited about fasting until, looking at Scripture, I saw a few things I found pretty helpful. For example, one thing that I saw, and just kind of God showed me, you know, this was years ago, but it was really stuck with me, is that um, throughout Scripture, God's people fasted. I don't know if you've ever noticed, or if you've been reading through the Bible, you see it over and over again, like Moses fasted, Daniel fasted, Ezra fasted, Nehemiah fasted, Esther fasted. Fasted, Ezekiel fasted, uh, Apostle Paul fasted, the nation of Israel fasted, the Church of Galatia fasted, the Church of Antioch fasted. I mean, you go know, from from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, you see God's people fasting. And in addition to that, Jesus. You know, God the Son, uh, he, he also fasted, right? We're, we're familiar with this. Matthew chapter 4, uh, Justin taught on this a couple of weeks ago, so I won't spend much time there. But just to point out that Matthew 4, we're told that as Jesus begins his public ministry, the very first thing he does is goes off to the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. In fact, one of my uh, favorite uh, comedic verses in Scripture is Matthew chapter 4, verse because it's just such an amazing understatement it says this after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry i think i bet he was yeah that's that's what happens after you fast for 40 days but jesus fasted and so i saw okay god's people fasted jesus himself fasted and then the real kicker for me was uh, seeing that jesus actually expected that his followers would fast um, we're going to be, if you want to, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's going to be the, the main passage we're going to be in this morning, though we're going to kind of be all over the place. But if you'd like to turn there, you can. Or else I have the words for you up here on the screen. But look at this. Look at this. This is Jesus teaching part of the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what he says. He says, when you fast. Now notice, that doesn't say if you fast. Or if you ever decide to fast, or if you ever get around to fasting, or fasting is your style. Now he says, when you fast. Like, I would expect you to do this. Just, we're in a minute. We're going to kind of unpack that. We're going to talk a little bit more about the instructions Jesus gives regarding fasting here. But for me, just initially, what was really helpful is to say, "Okay, God's people fasted, Jesus fasted, and Jesus expected His followers to fast." And all of that kind of boiled to came together. Kind of, a question began to form for me, which was this: If that's true, then why don't I fast? And I want to turn that question to you guys this morning and say, if you're a follower of Jesus or you're considering following Jesus and you do not fast or you've never fasted or it's not a part of your regular practice, let me ask you, in light of all of that, why don't you fast? Now, we could say, well, we don't do it because food is delicious. And that's true. I mean, we just talked about that, Right. But I do think that it's beyond that, right? It really goes deeper than that. My experience has been what I've found is that one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons, a big reason, why most people do not practice fasting as a spiritual practice or spiritual discipline is because we lack some clarity or we lack understanding on why it's a helpful spiritual practice. That there's a lot of confusion tied to fasting. Like why? It just feels like, okay, I'm just gonna make myself be hungry and I'm gonna be miserable to be around, and then I'm supposed to be more spiritual, or like I don't really get it. And so there's confusion around that. So this morning, here's where we're gonna go. We're, I'm gonna spend some time trying to bring a little bit more clarity around the practice of fasting by looking at three reasons why we do not fast or three unbiblical reasons to fast. And then we're gonna look at three biblical reasons for why we fast do fast or why fasting is helpful. All right? So let me pray, and then we're going to dive into that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just ask that you speak to us. And Lord, that this morning you would help us see why this is helpful, but more than that, God, that you would give us a hunger for you. And Lord, that we would want to know you. And Lord, if fasting is going to be something that helps us do that, open us up to this, that we would know you more for your glory and our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if we're, we want to begin with the first reason for why we do not fast, all right? The first unbiblical reason to fast, and that's this. We do not fast to be reconciled to God. We do not fast to be reconciled to God. And the reason I want to start here is because Jesus, he has some strong things to say to people who thought that by fasting or other religious practices, they could recon- reconcile themselves to God. For example, in Luke chapter. Um, 18, verse 9 through 14, Jesus tells a parable or a story. And in that story, he's talking about, he says there's these two guys. There's the Pharisee, who's like a religious leader of that day, and a tax collector who's like the most despised person or group of people on that day. And he's and in this story, Jesus is sharing, he says, these two go to the temple. And the Pharisee enters into the temple and he sees the tax collector and he begins to pray, the Pharisee does. And here's what he prays. I think I have it up here, yeah. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. See, I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. Okay, okay. <laughs> We love this guy, right? I mean, it's just, just, this is exactly like we want to be like, no. I mean, it's such pride, right? It's just, it's just terrible. But the pride is rooted in what these spiritual practices do. Like, I fast every week. I fast twice a week. So look at me. Look at me. I'm not like these other people. But then Jesus continues the story. He says this, verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance, and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. You know, here, here's the point, just right off the bat, I just want to make sure it's super clear. Jesus wants us to know no amount of religious activity, uh, no amount of fasting in particular will reconcile you to God. That is the tax collector who humbled himself and cried out for God's mercy. That was the one who left reconciled, not the one who's doing all these things, fasting two times a week. Just to be super clear, you could fast two times a week from this point all the way to the day that you die. And if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins, trusting in his work for you, then you will die unreconciled to God. Fasting does not reconcile you to God. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus' work on the cross and His resurrection is the thing, the only thing that reconciles us to God. So don't get that mixed up. We don't do this for to be reconciled to God. Second reason why we don't fast is this: we don't fast in order uh, to force God to answer our prayers. And this is where I think there's a lot of confusion. Because sometimes we'll just kind of get this idea, like if I could just fast, if I would fast, if I would really show God how serious I am and that I'm really devoted to him and how much I really want something, then he'll come through for me. Then he'll answer this prayer. Like right now, my dad has cancer. And I appreciate many of y'all praying for him. It's a really big deal to me. He's doing well. Just give you an update, he, it's really, you know, his health is, is, is holding steady. It's really great. But he still has cancer. And so, like, I want him to to not have cancer, right? If I think, okay, if I fast, if I would just fast and fast, then God would finally answer my prayer and my dad would not have cancer. Like, the fervency, the devotion to God in that mentality is a good thing. But the theology is really wrong. And I'm so thankful that it is. Okay? And you need to hear this. God does not hear our prayers Receive our prayers or act on our prayers based on how fervently we're praying them, based on if we've been fasting when we're praying them, based on what we do. Why does God hear our prayers? Why does God answer our prayers? It's based on what he's done for us. Again, it goes back to Jesus and his work on our behalf on the cross I mean, look at Hebrews. One of my favorite uh, passages, Hebrews chapter 4, says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence as long as we've been fasting. Now, it doesn't say that. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why can we approach the throne of grace with confidence? Why can we come before the throne with our prayers knowing that God hears us with confidence knowing that he's going to receive what we pray for and he's going to act according to his love and kindness. Why do we know that? Because we have a great high priest. See, friends, we don't We don't fast in order to get God to uh, answer our prayers. We can know that God hears our prayers, and he's going to act according to our best interests, not because we fasted, but because we have an awesome Savior. And so when you fast, your confidence needs to not be in your fasting. Your confidence is in your Savior, who's actively working your life, as you fast. Does that make sense? So we don't fast to make God answer our prayers. That's n- not why we do it. Third reason why we don't fast is this. We don't fast to make us look better in the eyes of others. Okay? So if you go back to the, the uh, Matthew 6 passage, this is part of what Jesus is getting into, right? He says like, hey, when you fast, so that's ex- expectation, but let me tell you how not to do it. Don't do it in order to make others think, "Oh man, he's so spiritually here. She's so spiritual." Or look up. Uh, Godly, she is. Like, you're not fasting in order to look good in the eyes of others. Um, Verse uh, 16 says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Meaning, uh, if we fast to look spiritual, uh, to appear godly in the eyes of others, then we've received our reward. And I think what that means is like you've gotten all you're going to get out of that fast. Jesus says, "Okay, if you fasted in order for to cause people to think that you're real spiritual, then people thought you're spiritual when they found out you're fasting, and that's all you're going to get out of it. Don't do it for that reason. That's not why we are to fast. Okay. Now let me make a quick aside, and I'm going to stretch this application a little bit, but I think it's there, and that is, <clears throat> friends. It, Another reason we don't fast is that we don't try to we don't fast in order to look better in the eyes of others by losing weight or changing our appearance as we fast. And I say that because I know that in this room there are some and honestly there're probably many of you who have what I'll just call an unhealthy relationship with food. And fasting or the concept of fasting or practicing fasting will uh, perhaps exacerbate that unhealthy relationship with food or that eating disorder or whatever you you, you might classify that as, okay? And if that's the case, then knowing that that's a reason Jesus says don't fast, what I would encourage you is to know that about you and not fast, and yet use this talk as a catalyst to do something about that. They'll use this talk as a catalyst to, to say, okay, let me go talk to a friend or someone who loves God and loves you, a trusted mentor or a counselor, therapist or a pastor, someone who can engage with you on that and help you grow and have experienced some wholeness in that area. So I would really urge you to lean into that. Don't feel the pressure. You have to fast. We don't have to fast. You don't fast in order to be reconciled to God or get God to answer your prayers. You don't have to do it. It's just a way to connect with God, but it's a good way to connect with God. We're going to talk about it in a minute. And so if you feel like you can't fast because of an unhealthy relationship with food, then don't fast, but also don't just do nothing. Use this as a catalyst to go seek some help or get some counseling. And also what I would say on that, friends... Is that one? You're not alone. I mean, there's most most people at some point have had an unhealthy relationship towards food. Uh, Some, lots of y'all have very. That's a big part of your story. You're not alone. Second thing I would say is there's no shame in that. Okay, no shame at all. Instead, there is. uh, Well, I would just say there's no shame in talking about it. And instead, there is a ton of freedom to be found when you talk about it. And so I would really encourage you to take that step in light of even this talk this morning. Okay? But all that said, here are three reasons why we don't fast. We don't fast to be reconciled to God. We don't fast to force God to answer our prayers. And we don't fast to look good or look better in the eyes of others. So, given that, why do we fast? Why is it helpful? Why is it a a good spiritual practice that God's people and Jesus himself and Jesus expect us to do? Why is it such a great thing? Well... The first reason is, um, it's because when we fast, we fast to physically express and perhaps intensify a spiritual desire. That we fast to physically express and intensify a spiritual desire. Now, let me um, explain this a little bit. You see, throughout Scripture, people, you would see them often fasting in response to some kind of conviction over their sin or the sin of their people or some brokenness in this world that they've been confronted with. And so their response is to repent from that sin, and oftentimes they would fast in repentance. For example, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9, we're told that Moses fasted for 40 days in response to the Israelites forsaking God and worshiping the golden calf. So he goes and he fasts in repentance. Or 1 Samuel chapter 7, the prophet Samuel leads the nation of Israel to fast uh, and to confess their sin of wanting to be like the other nations that surrounded them. So the whole nation of Israel fasts in repentance. Or Nehemiah chapter 1, after learning that Jerusalem was in a state of disrepair, Nehemiah fasts and confesses his sin and the sins of his people. Now, let me ask you a question, Shall try to get you to think a little bit here. Why would they fast at those times? Like, what, what is it about fasting in light of being confronted with brokenness or, or their own sin and sins of their people? Why, why respond with a fast? Well, I think it's because when people become convicted by the Holy Spirit of sin in their lives, they often fast as a way to show that they're serious about removing that sin from their lives are turning from that sin and turning to god which is the idea of repentance now let me again be clear here fasting does not remove the sin but the fasting shows that you're serious about removing the sin from your life and in this way a fast expresses and helps drive home a spiritual desire in addition the physical nature of a biblical fast Is being a fast from food, the physical nature there can help intensify your spiritual desire as you fast in response to this. For as you physically feel your hunger pains and discomfort, uh, you connect that, what you're feeling physically, with what you're feeling spiritual spiritually. And so the the, the hurt you have in your heart over your sin is mirrored and intensified by the pain in your gut when you're hungry. And there's something there that can help intensify the physical and the spiritual nature of what you're saying. It's like, I do not like what I've been doing, and I want to turn from that. I want a change to take place. And in this, it, it involves both your body and your soul. Because that's who we are. God created us. We're not just body. We're not just soul. Not, body is not more important than soul or soul more important than body. But when we are whole, as God created us, body and soul, fasting helps engage both elements. And that's helpful. It can express and intensify a spiritual desire. In this way, and I don't, I, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I would say in this way, fasting is a bit like baptism. And here's how. See, baptism is an outward expression of a spiritual reality, right? We, you do not get baptized in order for God to save you. That, that, again, we're saved, we're reconciled to God based on Jesus' his work on our behalf. It's His thing. We just enter into that through faith. We believe what Jesus has done on the cross and through His resurrection that reconciles us to God, and it's a done deal. It's a reality. However... We are called to be baptized, not in order to be saved, but because God knows there's power. When we take, when we act in a physical way to show something that is a spiritual reality, that it helps drive home a stake in the ground, it, it makes the intangible tangible. It does something whenever we connect what's spiritual with what's physical. And so we are not not baptized in order to be saved, but we get baptized to show That this is the reality. We've been saved by Jesus. Well, in that sense, fasting does that. It it says, okay, I have this desire to repent from a sin or I've been confronted by this brokenness in our world that I just can't stand and need God to do something about that. And it's this real desire. But when you link it to a physical activity, it helps drive a stake in the ground. It helps show you're serious. It doesn't... This isn't what changes God's heart towards it, but it's one of the things that helps change your heart towards it. And in that, friends, it's one of the reasons why I think fasting, especially in connection to repentance of sin in your life, is one of the things that helps bring real breakthrough. It's because it, it, it links both body and soul. It intensifies and it allows you to express this desire. Okay, so that's one reason why we fast. The second reason why... We fast biblically is because uh, the fasting helps identify, helps you identify with and care for the poor. Helps you identify with and care for the poor, and so um, in Isaiah 58, uh, there's this incredible passage where God actually calls the nation of Israel out for their fast. He says, re- I'm rejecting your fast. So they're fasting, and God says, I'm reject- I reject that fast. Like, <laughs> okay, why? All right, God, why are you doing that? He says, well, he rejects their fast because they're fasting in spiritual pride. And in their fasting, they are ignore- ignoring the poor in their midst. They're acting with uh, injustice. And so in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 and 7, God says this to the nation of Israel He says, Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? That when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? See, one of the reasons why we're to fast, according to Isaiah 58, is that it will help us identify and care for the poor. And that's important Because God loves the marginalized. And many people have said that God is the God of the underdog. The God has a special place in his heart for the poor, for the widow, for the orphan, for the fatherless, for the the refugee. And he wants his people to share his heart. And he wants his people to act on his heart. And when we fast, it's one of the things that helps us identify with the poor. Because we feel our hunger pains, we think, yeah, that's what it's like. And it helps us share with the poor because as you're not spending money on your food, you have more to be able to give away to others. That's one reason. It's a very biblical reason to fast. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Now, the third reason to fast, and I think perhaps ultimate reason why we see uh, fasting as such a helpful spiritual discipline, is this, that fasting helps deepen your hunger for the one who truly satisfies. Fasting helps deepen your hunger for the one who truly satisfies. You see in Matthew, chapter 5, verse 6, in the same sermon as uh, we've been reading from Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins the first section of the Sermon on the Mount with this statement. He says, uh, in in that first section, he makes this statement, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, I believe that is true but I also believe that most of us rarely hunger and thirst for righteousness because we try to satisfy our hunger and thirst with so many other things. And I wonder if it's even possible to truly hunger for Jesus if our souls are currently distracted by far lesser things. You know what I mean? In his book, A Hunger for God, pastor and author John Piper says this, I thought was really well put. He says this, he says, if you don't Feel strong desires for God. It's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world, and your soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. God did not create you for this. There is an appetite for God, and it can be awakened. And then he gives this charge. He says, I invite you to turn from the dulling effects of food and the dangers of idolatry and to say, with a simple fast, "This much, O oh God, I want you." See friends, when we fast, we purposefully refrain for a period of time from food or other good things, in order to deepen our hunger for the one who is ultimate, for the one who truly satisfies. See, we don't fast in order. To make God give us his attention, instead we fast in order to give God more of our attention. Motivated out of a realization of God's supreme worth and value. Like I think about the declaration that the Apostle Paul made in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 where he says this, I consider everything a loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. See, fasting is an expression of that spiritual desire, uh, desire, and fasting helps deepen that desire. That when you say more than food, more than anything, what I want to know is Christ Jesus my Lord. And so for his sake, I'm going to refrain from food or other good things, for those things are like garbage when it is compared to the surpassing worth, surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You see, my senior year, um, I uh, was uh, dirt poor, like really poor. And I was working, I was driving buses trying to pay all of my bills. My parents paid tuition, but I was on the hook for everything else. I'm covering apartment and insurance and every, you know, everything. And uh, I didn't have, like, I was just barely getting by. And then I fell in love. And I, I met Krista, who's you know, my, my wife of 15 glorious years. And... Um, And we uh, started dating, and I'm like, okay, I don't have any money to take this girl on a date. But I somehow need to find a way to get her to fall in love with me. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I do this? And, uh, And then one day, like this great gift from God, I get a care package from my mom. Moms are the best, right? And in this care package are multiple boxes of those peanut butter crackers that, you know, the crackers with peanut butter in the middle, right? And it's like these eight packs they would come in. There's like multiple boxes of these eight pack things. And and so I, I got this box and I thought, okay, if I rationed this, like if I could just, I wonder if I could live off of one of these packs every day, if I just ate one a day, and then sometimes my roommates will have a little extra food after dinner, right, after they've eaten and I could just scavenge a little bit. Or if I show up at Krista's place at the right time, maybe I'll get a meal every once in a while or something like that. But like if I do, I bet you I, I won't have to go to the grocery store this, for this whole month. And so I did. And the money that I saved from going to the grocery store, I would take Krista on a date with every month, I mean every week. And... Um, it was, it was uh, miserable. I mean, like, but at the same time, <laughs> it was completely worth it. I was happy to do it. Really, I was. I was like, I could do it because of the surpassing worth of knowing Krista. And so that Krista would fall in love with me. I would go without food or any other food than peanut butter crackers. I was happy to do it. Because <laughs> yes, That is a bit of the heart of someone who fasts. Say, God, you are of far more value, so much greater worth than anything else. And so, man, yeah, food is delicious, but I'll go without food for a period of time because I just want to pursue you. I and mean, everything else is just garbage compared to you. And are you're afraid you to give God all of your attention. And as you do, and as the hunger pains inside you mount and you're reminded of your hunger for food, you turn that towards God and you say, no, 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 I'm even more hungry to know you, for you're the one who truly satisfies. You grow in your knowledge of Him. And you're free to be able to hear from Him more clearly as you clear distractions off and you spend more time with Him. And what you find, friends, is that He's awesome, and He's better than you even realized. And he loves you more than you realized. And he's, in more, he's more in control than you realized. And there's more joy found in him than you realized. And there's peace, much more peace than you realized. And it's great. So that's the heart of someone who fasts. Back to the Matthew chapter 6 passage. Jesus, you know, after saying, okay, here, don't fast for this reason, don't fast to look good before others, but fast. And your father's going to see you fasting. And then he says, and he will reward you. And I, I wouldn't say that I know for sure exactly what all is meant by that statement. He will reward you. But I would say confidently that at least a part of what it, and I would say probably the main part of what that means, is that God will reward you with more of him. That you will know him more fully. And he's the treasure, the greatest treasure of all. He's the greatest reward of all. And you're rewarded as you fast with more of him. And so here's my encouragement to all of us. Hey, let's fast. Let's fast. Let's, let's fast for these reasons, right? Let's, let's fast to physically express and intensify spiritual desires. Repentance for sin. Crying out for God to restore broken things. Let's, let's fast to identify with and care for the poor. Let's, let's fast to grow in a hunger for the one who truly... Satisfied, for he who hungers, she who hungers or thirsts for righteousness, will be filled. So here's what I want to put before you. Um, Not only do I want to encourage you to fast, I want to invite you to fast together. As a church, we're going to do something really fun. We're going to do a 21 day. Uh, fast, or 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're going to kick it off on February 9th, and it's going to go through March 1st. And uh, this is going to be, I'm really really excited about this. Now, before I get into the details here, and I'm going to need to move quick. I do want to just put my finger on something and I think that feels a little odd because we've been in Matthew 6 today, right? And this whole idea of like, hey, fast in secret. Don't let others know what you're doing. What God Father sees in secret, then he'll reward you You and think, why are we going to do a fast together? That feels like an odd application of what we've been talking about, but it, it isn't. And here's why. Jesus was getting at, don't fast for the approval of others. That's the main idea there. And it's possible, friends, to fast with people knowing, but you don't do it for their approval. See, I think one of the things we read into that passage is say, just because we shouldn't fast for the approval of others means we should never fast with others. But that doesn't follow what you see in all of Scripture. I mean, throughout Scripture you see... God's people fasting together again. Nation of Israel fasting together. Church of Galatia fasting together. Church of Antioch fasting together. And so it's not that we should never, never. No one should never uh, know that you're fasting. You just need to be aware of your heart and why you're telling them that you're fasting. Are you doing it for their approval? Are you doing it so that they think, oh, you're so spiritually? Or are you doing it because you need help? And here's what we know, and the elders of the church want to put it before us is that when you fast, one of the things we know this is it's hard. <laughs> And it's helpful when you have others with you that are helping you and you're helping them pursue God through fasting. And so we said, hey, let's do this together, not for each other's approval, but because it's hard, but God is worth it. And so let's help each other really know him and go towards the one who fully satisfies. And so we're going to do this fast together. I'm really excited about, and I really want to encourage you to participate. Let me give you a couple of details here on what it means as far as uh, what this is going to look like, and then we're going to get you more information leading up to February 9th. That's why we're doing the message right now, because we want to give you enough time to really pray and consider what would you fast from and get prepared for all of this, right? But first thing I want to tell you is that we're going to kick it off on the 9th. That's a Sunday, but that Sunday night we're going to do a concert of prayer. And so it's going to be a neat time together at uh, Hyde Park Presbyterian Church, and we're going to begin the fast that way. going to be awesome. So I'd love for you to add that to your calendar. It's going to be a great kickoff. Then we're going to fast for 21 days. During that 21 days, we're going to have a devotional guide that currently 21 different people in our church family are writing. They're all writing an excerpt for that. And it's really cool. And that's going to help us follow a pattern throughout those three weeks where we're going to first focus on uh, prayers of God fueling a deeper hunger that God would give us a deeper hunger for him on a personal level. Second week is going to be prayers for our church, that we as a church would have a deeper hunger for God. And then the third week is that our city would have a deeper hunger for him. So I'm really looking forward to that devotional guide. And then and tied with that, we'll, do, we'll be fasting. And this is what you need to figure out is whether you'll do a major fast, where you fast for multiple days without food, perhaps all 21 days. Yeah, gauntlet thrown down. Justin Christopher did that two, two years ago, and I told you that, but he wouldn't tell you that because he applies Matthew chapter 6. Um, the, uh, and then, uh, or you could fast do a minor fast where you maybe just fast for a, a day, or you could do a partial fast where you either fast from one meal each day or a particular food each day. And if you're going to do a partial fast, I would encourage you to actually pick a particular food that you would really miss. Like, don't be like, I'm a fast from salad, you know, if, it, unless you really love salad, and then that would matter, but it wouldn't matter for me. Um, but you can say, I'm a fast from coffee, and you're going to feel that, that would be, be good. Um, or you could do a soul fast, and a soul fast is what's known as a fast from something other than food. So you could fast from social media, or fast from screens, or fast from whatever, you know, fill in the blank there. I do want to encourage all of you, though, to really consider doing a food fast. And you might add to that a soul fast, fasting from, some, you know, from uh, social media or something like that. But really, because of what, biblical, what we've been talking about here, and just the biblical nature, the physical nature of what happens whenever you go without food, I want to encourage you. Lean into that and really consider that. But you got some time, seek God for direction on that, and then we're going to kick this off in the night. The other thing we're going to do tied to this is we're going to do a food drive. We're going to do a food drive uh, in order that as we go without food, we're going to donate food or money towards a local food bank here to help restock them because they get hit so hard in December. And so uh, Katie uh, is helping spearhead that. Thanks, Katie. And uh, we're going to have more information for you there, but we'll be able to collect that uh, each Sunday during this fast. And I love that. I think that's going to really honor God. I'm excited to be able to do that together as a church family As well, And then we're going to end this fast on March 1st, which is a Sunday, with a Celebration Sunday service. So that Sunday morning, we're going to have a big time together, hooping and hollering. It's going to be a lot of fun. So this is happening. I'd love for you to be a part of it. So consider that and talk with each other. And let's prepare because uh, God is of supreme worth. And this will help us know him more and drive a deeper hunger for him. All right. We're going to end by uh, taking communion as we do each Sunday here. And as we take communion, or as we move to transition to that, here's here's what I want to remind y'all is this. Um, In a lot of ways, uh, the Lord's Supper, which we remember by taking communion, and, and fasting are kind of related. It's because in the Lord's Supper, what we do is that we remember what Jesus has already done. And remember, what we're remembering here is the thing that reconciles us to God. So fasting doesn't reconcile us to God. It's what Jesus has done for us on the cross, His body broken, which we remember with the bread; His blood spilled out, which we remember by taking the cup. Remember, He's done the work to make the way for us through faith to be reconciled to God. So, as we take this, we remember this is what Jesus has done. But fasting—here's what's interesting: fasting, where Lord's Supper looks back to what Jesus has done, fasting often looks forward to what we are anticipating. Jesus to do. See, fasting, part of it is to say, yeah, Jesus, I know what you've done, and it's been uh, amazing, and I'm so thankful for it, and yet at the same time, I want more of you. See, Lord's Supper, remember, he's given us himself so that we can be with him, but fasting says, yeah, but I want even more of you, and I long for you to return. I long to be with you. I want to know you more, so I will go without food to drive that hunger in remembrance of the meal we take or the meal you took, Jesus, with your disciples that made it possible to know that we're going to even be with you in the first place. So as we take the Lord's Supper, here's what I want to encourage you to do is just remember what he's done for you. And then as you remember this, may it drive a hunger for you to know him even more, which then would help cause you to choose a fast. All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are better than we realize. Give us a deeper hunger, God, to know you. Lord, we know fasting is not the point. Fasting is just a means to an end, but Lord, you're the end. And because you are of such great worth, Lord, it's worth fasting to know you more clear our minds from distractions and our souls from the lesser things that we look to so often to try to fill us up. God, would you move our church family to fast, to know you more? And in that fast, would we know you more? And would you meet us there, grow our love for you and our knowledge of your love for us, that we would not just know about you, but really know you. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done on the cross for having your body broken, your blood spilled for us as we remember here to make it possible for us to have a relation with you. That You've done all the work to reconcile us to you. God, we remember that now and we celebrate it. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.